0: My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire, and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God. and Today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 12. To the chief musician on an eight-stringed harp, a psalm of David. Always remember when David writes to the chief musician, capital C, capital M. I believe he's writing this to God himself. It's like a worship leader writing a song to the one to whom he is going to worship. And this psalm is about the words of man and the word of God and how they contrast. Guzik says this, in this psalm, David bemoans the vicious words of his adversaries and in contrast praises the pure and precious word of God. Putting the perspective of the words spoken by the wicked and how do they look upon reflection, the truth of the word of God. Help, Lord. You ever, you ever cried that? Help, you ever started out a prayer with help? Help, Lord. For the godly man ceases. The faith, You can sense a sense of desperation. Have you ever said that? God, I'm doomed. I'm just doomed. I'm totally doomed. It's just no way, like, even you can help me. <laughs> this is uh, David. I, but again, always remember that David always goes on the journey where he ends in a place of total trust and reliance upon God. But he, he often is very vulnerable in his start. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. The faithful disappear from among the sons of man. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. The The exact circumstances that David wrote this psalm, psalm, we do not know about. It could have been during so many different periods in his life. But David knew many times what it was like to feel like when the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. Uh, Guzik said this, David was a warrior and a fierce soldier, but we see here that he also had to deal with the battles of gossip and backbiting, of idle and deceptive talkers. David knew what it was like to feel all alone in this kind of battle, where it seemed that no one would speak up and defend him. Instead, he took his case to the Lord. We sense that David probably would have preferred to battle with swords and shields than among the gossips and backbiters surrounding him, and I'm sure that's very true. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. So what does David see around him? He doesn't see godly men. He sees the people that speak, gossip, idle chatter with their neighbours. Well, what do you think? What do you think? And you said, what, what do you think about that person? And they were two-faced liars. Say this, this person, this somebody else. Double heart. Now this psalm could have been written during a period when David was actually in the court of King Saul, not when he was being chased by him. But while he was in the court, remember that the king just had this thing. King Saul had this thing about David. It just oh it just got under his skin, and he was a target for his jealousy and you can imagine this this campaign about David taking place throughout the courts, you know silent whispers uh, against David because they wanted to gain favor with Saul and so the easiest way to do that was go, "Yeah, I think David's pretty dodgy too um." And the essence of people who have flattering lips is that they just say whatever people want them to say. There's a lot of people like that in the church today, unfortunately. Forget about outside the church, in the church. Um, They've always got the right answer. They always know exactly what to say. But they speak with no honesty. Because if they were honest, sometimes they'd say things to you that you didn't like. Sometimes if they were really transparent with, with the heart of God, they would say things that challenge you. But if somebody only ever says something that warms you, then are they just somebody who has flattering lips? Um, Daniel Boyce said this. Daniel says that flattery will be a tool of the wicked world ruler who will arise at the end, the last day. Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. So move on to verse three. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said with our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us for the oppression of the poor, for the sighting of the needy. Now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. David felt a little bit helpless Against all these whispers going on. And they were just destroying his character and who he was. And he found refuge in the Lord. And he just appeals, Look, God, will you just cut off the tongue that speaks these things? Because they keep saying, Who is Lord over us? Who's going to stop our tongues? So how about you stop them? David got so upset about their pride. And it made them really hard to stop. And he felt that they were just saying, listen, you can never stop us talking badly about you, no matter what you do. So David just feels incredibly helpless. And there's there's only one answer to this this question. It's a very simple question uh, that, that these other people ask. Who is Lord over us? Well, when you're a Christ follower, that's an easy question to answer. Jesus Christ, he's our Lord. He, he's the one that we, we serve. Body, soul, and spirit. We were bought with a price, paid for by the blood of Jesus. And therefore, we have a desire to want to glorify God in absolutely everything we do, including our lips and our tongue. This is why the words that come out of our mouth must never be contrary to what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't let evil words proceed from your mouth. So why do you let evil words proceed from your mouth? Why do you swear? Why do you participate in 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 jokes that are questionable. Why do you participate in slander? Why if there's slander going on in your office or in your friend group? What your silence? Are you are you condoning what's being said by your your silence or are you going to stand up and say what's right? It's not always going to be popular. But David here knew that in order to fulfill the calling of God on his life, he had to go through times when he was popular with no one. No one, not the king, not all the people in the king's courts, no one. Must have been very trying for him. But how wonderful for him to write these psalms to give us a glimpse into how to navigate that, the mindset in those circumstances. Um, now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will arise. The, the people who spoke these destructive things Uh, seemed to be able to speak as they pleased, but they were never going to be able to stop the Lord God from speaking as he pleased. And God says, I'm going to speak on behalf of the poor and the needy who, who are victimized by these gossipers. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. David believed that this was God's word for him. That's where the safety was going to come from because he was one of the poor and needy yearning for safety from the destructive critics and these people who were gossiping. So then we get to verse six. The words of the Lord are pure words. So he's just talking about all the words from gossipers. And then this is how he kind of finishes up. He reminds himself yet again. This is the constant journey that David goes through. He, he, he goes through this period of desperation. Then he remembers what God has said and what God has done. And every time he remembers what God has said and God has done, all of a sudden faith rises up in him. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth. Purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. God's words are pure. Purified seven times. That's what they would do to silver. Continue to melt it, melt it, melt it, melt it, melt it it seven times to get all the impurities out of it. And Guzik says this, This means that the word of God can be trusted in every sense. It is good, pure, tested thoroughly. We can trust that God has tested his own word, but it has also been tested by students, scholars, critics, doubters throughout the centuries, and the word of God still stands. It is like a mighty anvil that has worn out countless hammers that have pounded upon it. Spurgeon said this, the Bible has passed through the furnace of persecution, literary criticism, philosophic doubt, and scientific discovery, and has lost nothing but those human interpretations which clung to it as alloy to precious ore. The experience of saints has tried it in every conceivable manner, but not a single doctrine or promise has been consumed in the most excessive heat. Time magazine which was quoted by uh, Boyce, said this, After more than two centuries of facing the heaviest guns that could be brought to bear, the Bible has survived, and it's perhaps the better for the siege. Even on the critics' own terms, historical fact, the scriptures seem more acceptable now than when the rationalists began the attack. That's from Time magazine. You shall keep them, O Lord, you shall preserve them. This is David's declaration of confidence in God's ability to preserve his own words that he had written. Not only did God give us his word, not only, but his hand has protected the integrity of his word throughout all the centuries. God is going to protect his word, and God is going to protect his people. Morgan says this, G. Campbell Morgan says, The psalmist breaks out into praise of the purity of his words, God's words, and declares that Jehovah will keep them and preserve them. The them refers to the words. There is no promise made of widespread revival or renewal. It is the salvation of a remnant and the preservation of his own words, which Jehovah promises. Spurgeon said this, Give up no line of God's revelation in his word. Brethren, we cannot endure this shifty theology. May God send us a race of men who have backbones, men who believe something, would die for what they believe. This book, the word of God, deserves the sacrifice of our all for the maintenance of every single line in it. Oh, gets you all excited, doesn't it? And then we get to the end. It's a bit of a strange ending, but when you understand the context of it, you get it. Okay, Psalm eight, uh, Psalm twelve, verse eight: "The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men." David knew that the very presence of the truth of the purity of God's word could never eliminate the wicked until God eliminated them. They were still going to exist and prowl on every side. But they had no assurance of a final victory or an eternal victory. And you, you could read this and think, oh, well, that's a bit of a depressing way to end this psalm. But David was just being realistic and saying, hey, listen, God's going, he's got our back and his words are true. But until Jesus comes back for us, the position we're in, David was waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah came and got rejected by his own. Now we're waiting for the Messiah to come back again. And, David knew that even with the precious purity of God's word available to us, that some people would still prefer that vileness would be exalted, not God. Guzik, we might say that David almost left it as a challenge at the end of this psalm. Let the sons of men exalt vileness. And David would exalt the pure and precious word of God. Eventually, all would see the winner of this contest. Let these wicked men do their worst. God helping him, David would do his best and see the victory of the Lord. There is a challenge in front of you and I, my observation for today. There is a challenge for us. We are in times where we live right now, where the vileness of people on this planet seems to, it feels like to us that it's reached an all-time high of just, just being horribly anti-God. And all the things that are loved by the word of God and by God himself seem to be hated by the world. What's good has been seen as evil. What was evil is now seen as good. This is what was predicted would happen in the end times. The words of God will always be pure. They will never lose their purity. Never. Not through culture, nothing. It's the word of God. It's infallible. Paid for by Jesus. This book predicted over 300 things about Jesus. Hundreds and thousands of years before he was born. And you want to say, I don't believe the Bible. I'm sorry, you just don't get that option. I know it it might force you to a position you don't want to be in. You're like, well, I don't want to believe in the Bible because I don't like what's in there. Well, it doesn't really matter whether you like what's in there or not. Is it, is it the truth or not? If it's the truth, then you have to learn to love it and learn to live the way that God says we should live. But never forget that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies written about him hundreds of years before he was born. And all in here, David knew, David knew that the purity of God's word would never be diluted. So we have to stand up for the challenge right now that we are in. Are you up for it? That's my question to you. My observation is a question. Are you up for it? Let me know in the comments below. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to just go through this uh, journey with David through these Psalms. Allow us to reflect on our own lives and experience, Lord, right now. We thank you for the purity of your word that can never be diluted in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.